those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast on Calcio at the highest level. Frank Crivello here. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. Uh, Serie A has taken a break this week. That doesn't mean that we are. Uh, let me start by bringing in the co-host of the Serie A Sit Down, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How's it going? It's going. It's going. I, you know, it's uh, it's been about. Uh, you know, what is it, about 48 hours uh, since that uh, miserable uh, mess of uh, effort from the Italian national team out in Sweden. But uh, I, I take it you're not any calmer? I'm not over it, no. <laughs> uh, we're going to use this. We're going to use this podcast to talk about it, damn it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, we it, the, the same things popped up. What I wrote about in my blog about Ventura and, you know, how he scares me and, and, and all of this, all of this stuff. And it's just... It all reared its ugly head in fr- on Friday, um, you know, and all of the reasons why, uh, you know, I, I said the things that I said. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that uh, that disaster in Sweden, leg one of the uh, World Cup qualifying playoff between Italy and Sweden. And uh, we also uh, will get into some uh, teams of the season uh, through the first third. We have our uh, flop 11 that we now call the crap on a cracker 11. Uh, inspired by Richard Carmen himself. And, uh, of course, our Squadra Finora, our 11 that make the cut as being the best of the best through the first third of the season. And to, we, we can't think of anybody, uh, better, uh, you know, to do this, uh, to do this with than, uh, a friend of the podcast and making his unprecedented fifth appearance on the Serie A sit down. Mark Neal. Ciao, Mark. Ciao, Frank. Ciao, Richard. How are you both? Going we're well, great. Well. We're great. Uh, why don't you uh, take a minute and uh, tell our listeners what you're up to these days? Um, I've been on a bit of sabbatical um, with the gentleman Ultra. Uh, saw you who we write for. Um, it's been having a revamp. So the the new look site is coming soon. And obviously, like most people, I've been enduring a fairly torrid international weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been pleasant. It's been it's been pulling teeth to say the least. And uh, when uh, things are back up and running, what uh, uh, what 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 do you think you'll have uh, what do you think you'll have cooking for the uh, listeners to uh, to give a read to? Um, the, the usual mixture of nostalgia and current stuff, the young players, um, reflections back on halcyon days of the nineties and early noughties. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, good stuff coming from some. Top quality Royers as per usual. Excellent, excellent. We'll look forward to uh, seeing that revamp uh, and uh, and uh, and getting um, uh, getting caught up with uh, the happenings at the Gentleman Ultra. So uh, glad to have you back on, Mark. Uh, Absolute pleasure to be back. Thank you again. And we're going to go. Here's how this uh, here's how this podcast is going to progress, guys. We're going to be just the absolute, you know, worst. I mean, we're going to we're going to we're going to be in hell. Okay. And we're going to dig our way out to where we can end on talking about something, you know, relatively happy. So, um, you know, it's just going to be a progression of of, of, of shit piled on <laughs> more shit and just trying to we're going to be we're going to be the movie Shawshank Redemption. We're going to be Andy Dufresne uh, okay. crawling through 500 yards of shit. Uh, to escape prison and and get out on the other side. How does that sound? Sounds great. Yeah. All right, all right. Sounds good. And uh, why not start with what happened in Solna uh, on Friday? Uh, Sweden and Italy first leg of the 
uh, World Cup qualifying playoff uh, to determine who goes to Russia 2018. Really a pity, two good teams uh, with one uh, potentially missing out. Well, one will miss out based on how the draw formulated. Uh, we all opined that this was the worst possible opponent Italy could have drawn for this uh, uh, for this playoff, and uh, opening up in Sweden was not going to be an easy task. Richard and I thought, well, 1-1 would suit them. If they could find a way to do that, they'd have the away goal advantage, uh, and they could go and continue to play their game in the return leg at the San Siro. So they nearly got that away goal very early on through Andrea Bellotti, a header that he pushed just wide. Shame because the Andrea Bellotti we know finishes that chance. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, not a whole lot going on in that first half. Sweden maybe having a few better chances than, than Italy. Nothing, nothing that really threatened either goalkeeper, but it ended up being nil-nil at halftime. And then, uh, Sweden makes a substitution. They bring on Johansson and, uh, he makes the, uh, the, the, the Swedish management staff look really good. Um, it was, uh, a, a long throw in that was, uh, flicked on by, uh, Toivonen. And Johansson uh, got his foot on it. Uh, it hits off Daniele De Rossi. It wrong foots Gian, uh, Gianluigi Buffon. Goes into the goal. Really an unlucky goal to concede when you look at it in the big picture. I've, I've, you know, they gave Johansson the credit for the goal. I've seen that been called an own goal more often than not, but is what it is. And Sweden went ahead uh, one goal to nil. So when uh, that happens, Piero Ventura takes a look at all of his wonderful attacking options that he has on the bench. And who does he call? Ader. Oh. Andrea Bellotti. Straight up. And I said at halftime, you, Mark, here's what I said before halftime. I said, this game is begging for Insigne to come on for Bellotti. It is begging that high left space uh, is, is, is open. And we need Insigne there um, because they were trying to make it work with Marco Verratti trying to push up into that area and do some playmaking you know, from the left hand or the left center side. And Verratti just looked totally uncomfortable doing that. He's better when he's more centralized, when you see him play for PSG. I mean, we, we knew that Belotti was going to be the first one out. But for Ader, I mean, what does he see in Ader that the rest of us don't? That is a great question. Um, I have no idea is the honest answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, it, Maybe he's taken the last game into account when Ed Air come on for Inter and, and scored. I'm not too sure. It's, it's, uh, the whole situation was crazy. And then when Verratti did come off for Insigne, he played Insigne central midfield. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we've all seen the clips going around on Twitter where basically Lorenzo's looking around, basically asking, what the fuck am I doing here? Exactly. That's absolutely crazy. You know, the, the, the whole thing. Is shambles, it, absolute it just, shambles. I, you know, because if you do, if you go Insigne for Belotti, because here's the problem with Belotti and Immobile together up front. As as encouraged as we all were at the very beginning, when Ventura introduced this formation at the very beginning of qualification and decided to go Belotti and Immobile together, they're the same forward, and they don't look like they're comfortable playing together because. They're, they they appear to both be attacking the same spaces mm -hmm. off the ball, making the same runs. Uh, a lot of duplication is what's going on, and they both can be canceled out as a result. They're very easy to defend. Because, I mean, shoot me down if I'm wrong, but they, because they mainly play as the sole striker, they're making the, the runs that a sole striker would make. 
So therefore, they're duplicating each other because they're not used to playing in a system with two. I think a way that this could be resolved is you had a Trecortisa in there to play, make, and pull the strings. They didn't have that, so there, this two forwards are just left clueless and doing their own thing, which is the exact same thing. No, it's uh, it, you know, it's mind blowing to me. So then, yeah, and then Insigne said after the game, yeah, he asked me to go in and play in center midfield for Verratti. So, I mean, you know, I've now found three more reasons added to all of the other pile of reasons as to why I'm convinced that Giampiero Ventura doesn't watch a lick doesn't watch a lick of club football. Okay. First of all, he's got some stupid blind faith in Adair that none of us can figure out. Not even Luciano Spalletti of Inter has that kind of faith in him. I think he just kind of substitutes Adair in games by default uh, for Inter. But when you're looking at attacking options like Lorenzo Insigne, even Federico Benedeschi, hell Manolo Gabbiadini is better than Adair. Okay, you got those three options, but <laughs> there's something appealing about Ader that he gets to go in the game. I just, just I can't do it. And then, and then when you bring in, you bring in Insigne, you're bringing him in as a midfielder. He, he's not a midfielder. He attacks on that left side. He doesn't watch Napoli. Ventura does not watch Napoli. I'm convinced of it because he's in a 4-3-3 and he attacks those little half spaces and links up with Dries Mertens. The goal against Manchester City is a prime example of, uh, as to, that's Lorenzo Insigne's position. Even in the 4-2-4 at Italy, he doesn't work. He's badly misused. He's too wide. You know, he can't get, you know, inside where he can be dangerous and he can, he can create the things that he's capable of creating. And the reason why I'm so crazy about this is because look who was playing right back for Sweden. The third reason why Giampiero Ventura doesn't watch, uh, a lick of club football. Emil Kraft was the right back for Sweden. Bologna. He plays for, he plays for Bologna. Okay. And when have you ever come away from a Bologna game saying, yeah, you know, Emil Kreff was man of the match? <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and then I think you've got, you've, got, you've got Victor Lindelof in there somewhere who doesn't even, you know, Jose Mourinho doesn't even rate. Um, <laughs> it was just comical. It was, so, it was so predictable what they were going to do every time they got the ball. Um, you, know, you know, I don't know if they wanted to just depend on Benucci to just dump it dump it long and dump it forward. Well, if that's the game plan, then if you win the ball in the middle of the park, go all the way back to Benucci and then let him just go ahead and play a 60-yard ball, all right? Or, 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 or what role, you know, Verratti, you know, left and kind of in an attacking midfield position and just where he sits on the left. I mean, it was railroad tracks with him, you know? He wasn't all over the midfield where he can be dynamic. You know, clearly he doesn't watch Verratti play at PSG. Um, I mean... Three big reasons that to me there that that just add to all of the other reasons why I don't think Ventura watches any club football at all. And if he if he did, if he did, he'd have a damn dynamic team because he he got this job for a reason. Okay, there was something he did well. I mean, his Torino teams were pretty attractive. Um, you know, I, Mark, help me out here. <laughs> no, I mean, another reason as well is. For Verratti's poor game is who he had beside him. I mean, De Rossi's been average for Roma and he was completely missing. The thing is, Ventura, this 4-2-4 thing he used in 2007 at Pisa and 2008 at Bari. Football evolved now at such a ridiculous rate. You cannot use it. I mean, it surely the Spain game would have taught him that. Yeah. You cannot use that system without players. That's as simple as that. I mean, you, you watch the game, and yes, there was crosses coming in 
from the left-hand side, but they were so far wide, if you had Insigne there to cut in, to narrow the gap. I mean, how many times have we seen him cut in for Napoli? And Callahan, who's about three foot six, can get on. His crosses are so accurate <laughs> yeah. that he can get on them. The, the whole thing, like I said earlier, is just an absolute mess. The thing that I liked with Conte as well is he's... Well, He'd done one of the few things that international managers can do, and he made that squad feel like a club. Now, Ventura's walked in there and just chucked a hand grenade in the middle of it because they don't look organised. The players are visibly not happy. Yes, they say the right things post and pre-match and all that stuff, but there's just no connection there at all. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And you can see the tactical ineptitude by Ventura. I mean, the two best players by far in this match were Emil Forsberg and Kleissen from uh, from Sweden. Now, Kleissen, he's he's an he's an okay kind of player. Emil, For- Emil Forsberg is class. But what would what would the 2006 World Cup team do? They would have had Gattuso on there. Camarinesi would have had guys shut those two down so they couldn't do anything. Did they do that? No, those two guys are just doing whatever they wanted to in the pitch and controlling the matchup. I mean, it shows Ventura doesn't know anything about tactics or anything. He just let let Sweden run while he's hoping the four two four is just going to go and score goals for them. No, that's not how it works. Get to put the, I, put the players where they need to be. I'm with you on Klaassen. I'm not sure Forsberg was that great. Um, oh, I thought you know, he, I thought he was elegant. Um, when he got the when, uh, when he had the ball, when he got the ball. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that even he took this game by the scruff of the neck. You know, which he he failed. It was scoring opportunities. They could have scored. He could have scored a couple of goals in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was there for the taking, and he didn't take it. Right, I guess that's right. my point of view when it comes to Emil Forsberg. And you know, I thought maybe Klassen Klassen was a little bit better. I I, I seem to I seem to keep seeing him a little bit more often than I saw Forsberg in this game. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, jump in. No, I was just. Going to pick up on what you said. I remember years ago, Gattuso saying that you know his job was to win the ball and then give it to people who can play football. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think he was talking talk sure about the yeah. But there's there's not that snap. There's not that bite. There's not that I don't know that confidence. The whole thing's just like someone's pulled a plug. Everything's just gone down the drain completely. As you know, to be fair, the whole standard of these playoffs has been pretty awful yep. and this is just another one on top I mean and I do believe I read today that Ventura said that they knew they were going to be in the playoffs when Spain was I mean what sort of mentality is that? Do you think Antonio Antonio Conte would never say anything like that? No. Absolutely. I mean I'm, Antonio Conte turned Spain over with an average squad. Now yeah. this this squad is better than what Conte had to work with. But the difference is, is the coaches. We've yes. discussed this before, you know, earlier today about uh, the Tanana coach going on about too many foreigners, too many this, too many that. That doesn't account for the fact that he'd rather play Parolo over Jorginho. That's yeah. got nothing to do with anything other than the coach's incompetence. And that's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Parolo. I think Parolo was actually decent, and 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 I I got I got raked by by a couple I got raked by a couple people on this. It's like you try to play next to Daniele De Rossi, and <laughs> you're you're already having to cover four more miles than what you normally cover for your club. 
Okay. Um, so I thought in that sense that he was decent. He gave good energy. I mean, he didn't do anything meaningful when he got the ball fine. All right. But he, he, he turned in a Marco Parola performance. He didn't give you a reason not to pick him for the next game, uh, except that he might just be bang exhausted. Um, you know, from, from all the ground that he had to cover. But, uh, I thought, I thought he was good. I thought Darmian was good. And I think that, that's it. Yeah. I think Kandreva was disappointing. What, what's he doing on the first one where the ball came across? He's let the balls go. Get your body onto the ground. Sacrifice your body. Do whatever it takes. This is for a spot in the World Cup. Okay. And then the one that he, the one that he could have gotten that he just let go past so that they could have a throw in. I mean, you're in yeah. the penalty area. The, the one late in the second half. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, chest that down and finish it. All right. And, 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 and he didn't do that, you know, and the, and the forwards were disappointing and they were disappointing largely because they're used to being, as you said, Mark, solo strikers who are used to having all of those runs to themselves. Well, now you put the two together and they're both going in the same place. So the two center backs for Sweden say, thank you very much. I'll just, <laughs> I'll, I'll just go ahead and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll just have one defender track you guys then if you're going to both run in the same spaces. The other guy can the other guy can support. You know, um, it was just you know when I saw the formation, I was actually encouraged because I said, okay, the tried and trusted is going out there. All right, it's um, it's uh, three five two. It's you know the BBC's out there. They're going to do this with the veterans. They're going to do this the right way. This is a get to the World Cup, no matter how ugly this looks. So I was encouraged by that, but then it was just it was it was ineptitude, and I don't even think the players know what they're what they're supposed to be doing in this no. you know in this setup. So I thought the BBC was actually pretty decent, but everybody else was pretty much trash. Darmian was good. I mean, he was probably the best player for Italy in that matchup. I thought. Yeah, yeah, Darmian was Darmian was probably the, that's a sad state of affairs. I know because we rip on we rip on Darmian getting selected for this team, um, but he was the best player. Um, and then for him to have the nerve to say after the match that he hopes that Italy get the kind of treatment from the referee in the return leg that, that Sweden got in the first leg, the referee was fine. Yeah. I actually thought the referee did a damn good job. Okay. Um, you know, th there, there's no blaming the referee here for being an idiot, for you being an idiot, Ventura. Okay. Um, and uh, I went ahead and did a knee jerk, you know, three, four, three. This is what it should be at the San Siro. You know, he probably won't read this, um, but uh, let's turn the page and talk about the return leg at the San Siro. As long as I am going to be on this soapbox, okay, and, and for all of the gloom and doom and all, I still think they're going to qualify. Um, I think they win by, I think they win 2-0 at, uh, at the San Siro. I think they get their couple of goals. I think they close up shop, and I think they go on to Russia. And I think that the players will do it despite Ventura. Uh, Mark, what do you think about the second leg here? Um, I'm not as confident as you, I must admit. I, I think if it, yeah, I think if they go through, that will be instead of Ventura. Instead, I think the, the, the players, like I said, will be the ones that turn this around. I think, Formation-wise, I haven't got a clue what he's going go with. No Ventura, that'll be two eight zero. The way he's just throwing stuff around us—that's crazy. <laughs> sure. the, the, the history with 
Italy in the qualifiers at the San Siro is excellent. Yep. So there's already that psychological advantage. The, obviously, the Italian players are used to playing at we have, high level. Um, Mark, in the United States, we have Dos Acero in Columbus, Ohio, when we play the Mexican national team at home. That didn't particularly work out this time around. <laughs> no, it did not. Just so you know, I'm not going to buy into this San Siro narrative. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just cl- maybe clutching at straws. I'm not too sure. I, I think, yeah, I, I think um, I lost track where I am now. Yeah, I think the, they will squeak through, and that will be a squeak. But I think at, well, you're at the stage now where it's any means necessary. Beautiful football goes out the window. It's just win. How ugly doesn't matter. It's just get to the World Cup final. And if I was brave, I'd probably try and find a coach. Mr. Ancelotti might be floating around to actually take him through the tournament. Because I don't think, well, we've already said Ventura is way, way out of his depth. So I think, yeah, I'm going to say 3-1. Okay, Richard, before, okay, and I'll get your prediction here. Richard, will throw throw in your prediction as you answer this question, okay? Okay. Because there's a story that's already kind of getting quoted around out there. If they don't qualify, if they don't qualify, obviously he's going to get sacked with Ventura. But if they qualify, there is talk that he is going, that they're going to sack him anyway. Um, give your prediction on the second leg first, and then you, I'll let you answer this question first. Do you think that that will happen if they qualify for Russia 2018? You must be reading my mind because I was actually going to bring that up. Um, so my prediction for the match, I am not as confident as you both. Um, I don't think shit that's been shit for the whole qualifier is going to turn around in this one match. San Siro is going to be amazing. The atmosphere is, atmosphere is going to be great. Uh, however, I think it'll, you know, Italy will have a goal definitely in them. But I, I see an away goal for Sweden. I see it's going to be a draw. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. I've already condemned the fact that Italy's going to be out of this World Cup with the Netherlands and the United States and a host of other teams that should have made it. Um, I I don't see a victory coming. I, I want it. I would. I'd love a victory, but I I just don't see it. I just don't think they can. The ineptitude from Ventura is just going to get in the way. Now to go with what you were just saying. Yes, I heard that too. That two scenarios that are probably the best thing, best case for Italy. One. They qualify and they get rid of Ventura and bring in like Ancelotti or somebody else. Um, or two, if they don't qualify, Ventura's gone anyway the very next day or maybe that day. Um, that would be, if they do qualify, they should do that. They should get rid of Ventura because he's gonna, you saw how terrible tactic, tactically he is. What is he gonna do in the World Cup? Lose to teams from like Asia and all those lower clubs? I mean, I don't know who, what the worst team's gonna be in the World Cup, but maybe, maybe, uh, North Korea. I, I don't know. But, He's not going to be the guy to lead you anywhere. They won't get out of the group stages. No chance with Ventura. So as soon as, as soon as you qualify, if you qualify, get rid of him. Bring in try to bring in Ancelotti. Sway him with lots of money if you have to. Or I mean, I don't even know who else is out there that could um, uh, fill fill in. Uh, did they mention any other names other than Ancelotti? I would bang the drum for Marco Giampaolo, but I don't think that he's leaving Sampdoria anytime soon, not with the contract extension. Right. But, uh, uh, um, Mark, I'll turn that question to you. If uh, if Italy qualified, do they still sack Ventura? Yes. I mean, Ancelotti said he was open to, I think it was Croatia, just for the, for the, for the summer. So why not have him as a short-term gap through this summer? Someone with a little bit more nose, a little bit more respect. And then, like, then start the search for, but the the FOGC have got to get themselves in in some sort of order as well because 
anyone who knows anything about Ventura knows that his tactics are not up to international standard. So uh, I think it's not just Ventura. He is the main problem, but there's other problems there that need to be rectified to yeah. make this yeah. a, a successful team. Because on paper, if you you lay that out, four three three or three four three, that side could give any country a game. I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily saying you're going to win the World Cup, but you're certainly not going to be hoping that you can perform a miracle against Sweden in a playoff. That's a share of it. Right. So we've got Mark on record saying it's going to be three one. Me, I think it's going to be two nil. Richard, you what do you so you think it's going to be a draw then? One one, yes. One one, okay. All right. So Richard's a negative Nancy. Uh, <laughs> Ventura why, man, it's Ventura man. He's he's brought me down. He's brought me, made me a Debbie Downer. Which is why his crap on a cracker phrase is what inspire is is, is the inspirational title to our flop eleven, which we will get to next. See how I did that, Richard? Isn't that great? That's that right, hey, nice. we're that was, smooth. that was brilliant. You know, if we we should get an extra five hundred listens just for that, so, <laughs> or an extra or an extra five, maybe we should just yeah. try to yeah, let's say baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> so, so anyway, all right. So we're going to uh, we're 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 about uh, okay. So we're about halfway through the Andy Dufresne River of shit. And now we have to uh, get through the other half, which is talking about the uh, crap on a cracker 11. We're a third of the way into the Serie A season. Uh, so clearly we have some, uh, uh, some honors to hand out, good and dubious. Uh, and we will start with the dubious ones first. But before we, we, we get to the teams, let's just throw in a question here for both of you guys. And Mark, I'll start with you. You know, your impressions with what you've seen here for the, uh, you know, first, 12 match weeks. I mean, last year at this time, um, I think we were, as far as the title race is concerned, we were bored because we all expected it's going to be Juventus again. Um, but, uh, you know, in any event, uh, the, um, uh, this year, a little bit different. I mean, there's, there's disparity in terms of the top 10 versus maybe the bottom five. Um, but, there is parity right now as far as the top five or six. Yeah, I mean, if I was Napoli, I'd be a little bit upset. You've played 12 games, you've won 10, drawn two, not lost, only conceded eight goals, and there you are, only a point ahead of Juventus at the top of the table. (laughs) Uh, That is crazy. I mean, you have to give credit for, for, for Napoli, but also you have to give credit to Juventus because... Like I said they've only lost one game. They've only conceded eleven goals, but they've outscored Napoli as well. So, but the, the disparity between the top and the bottom is obviously Benevento have broken all sorts of records, not for the right reason. I mean, it, it, there's been calls. I say calls. People randomly thrown around the reduction in the league, but I don't see how that makes any difference. I think the top sides are getting better. Because of their coaches, um, because of the money they're investing, because of long-term plans that are now coming good. And I think the, you have to face the fact that some teams will never compete. But it doesn't mean to say that they're, 
don't deserve to be there. They won mm-hmm. promotion. They deserve to be there. Or they survived relegation like Crotone did last year. So they deserve. But I think this title race is really interesting. I mean, obviously we're sitting out with Juventus, Spalletti, who I have a little bit of man love for. I think he's done wonders at Inter. Inzaghi mm-hmm. at Lazio. Di Francesco surprised me greatly at Roma. And then we've got Marco Giampaolo at Sampdoria. Again, I think that's a record-breaking season for them. Four or five wins on the bounce, which is a club record. I think that's really exciting. And I think there's the the, the, the middle bit. Obviously, the Fiorentinas, Atlanta have dropped off a bit in Chievo, but they've got an exciting title race. And there's teams that have been dragged into a relegation battle that are established Serie A sides. Genoa, mm-hmm and Sassuolo so yeah I think that's an exciting season ahead yeah I mean yeah the first third the first third of the season is going to tell us anything Richard is that this is going I mean they we've got a title race I think you know answer this question because when we did the preview pod uh it was either Napoli it was either Napoli or Juventus for the title yes um I I still feel that way I think what Inter Lazio and Roma are doing are admirable but the 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 other foot's going to the other shoe is going to drop for all three of these teams at some point, isn't it? Um, history tells us so, and I think if you look at the quality of all all the let's say top six, top seven, um, Napoli and Juve are that much ahead. I think now the way they're playing right now, they all look fairly even. I mean, they're points apart. Um, but I, I, you know, I also thought in the beginning of the season that Napoli and Juve were going to be the cream of the crop, um, and right now they're top one and two in the table, or maybe is Inter third, second now, or, or Inter's in third. Inter's in third. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, the, the other three teams or, you know, whoever many teams are going to keep, you know, keep pushing these two top two teams. I think ultimately, though, it's the class of Juve and, and Napoli are going to slightly pull away. It's not going to be as, as wide open as maybe some of the other leagues, but, um, they'll be pushed, but I think it's ultimately, you know, um, Napoli and Juve are just too strong of teams, depth wise, especially. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's where, uh, I think that that's where it's headed. I think it's going to come down to the, both of those teams. I think we're seeing some nice stories with Inter, Lazio, and Roma, but in reality, they're going to be competing for those remaining two Champions League places. Mark, uh, Milan will not be this bad this long, will they? Um, not unless they change coach. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking, oh, so you're you're on the Montella out. Uh, you're on the Montella out bandwagon too, huh? I yeah, I am. For, for the simple reason is is. Even from like weeks two, three, and four, I couldn't see a pattern of play, a style of play that he was aiming for. I've heard this thing about um, possession-based football that he had, and I think I think it might even been Chloe Beresford who's been on this pod before. It had said yep. that even at Florentina, he never really had a style of play, a pattern of play that you could say was distinctly Montella's. I think, I don't think he's strong enough leader for this group of players. Obviously there's some big players in there now, the the Benucci's, the Beelies, you know, leaders. And I don't necessarily think he's strong enough to keep, keep them in. And I'm not overly convinced with some of his, team selections as well. I mean, Gratone, who's been sitting on the bench while Kalanis is playing, Andre Silva, who's still trying to adjust to the league, is getting very few minutes. I'm uh, just not too sure where he's going. I think they'll improve, but not with Montella at the helm. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on Andre Silva should probably be the starting striker for Milan. Not so much with Simone because I think that he's feasted on the, the, the poorer opposition. And I think he's had his opportunities in games, you know, against stronger competition. The Lazio game comes to mind in particular where I think he struggled. Um, you know, but th- there's that. I, with Milan right now, I just, I find it to be a progression, Richard. The defending is a lot better. Um, over the last several games, uh, you know, we got unbelievably critical, um, on, uh, uh, Romagnoli, um, and then Donnarumma in the uh, goals that Iguain scored, uh, in the loss to Juventus. But, you know, if you're going to start getting back in the ascendancy, make sure the defending is better. And it, and it, it, you can make a claim that, that at least, the, the back three is starting to figure this out a little bit. And that might mean as that goes and as, as that can continue to develop, eventually they'll get it figured out going forward it, with, with Montella or not, right? Yeah, I mean, defense is playing better. But then in the last week or so, Montella came out and said, I prefer Zapata over Muzakio. What? Interesting, yeah. What? I know. Muzakio's been nothing but good this season, I thought. Zapata's been decent. I'm not going to fault him on that, but What? Come should on. be Zapata. Should be Zapata over Romagnoli. Yes, make it work. Yes, he's he's the one that's clearly not in form in the back three. Bonucci's sure. started to turn around lately. Um, but yeah, there's no reason Muzaki should not be playing. You know, you bought, you paid money for him. Okay, fine, whatever. But he's been playing very well. Yep. I mean, Zapata has too. Sure, but you know, Zapata can play in the back three with with Muzaki and Bonucci for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. But Romagnoli, he's just not, I don't know, he's got, he got in his head already that it was going to be Maldini and Nesta from the beginning. Maybe that's what's, you know, messing up his play. Or maybe he's just not fully fit yet. I don't know. But he needs, he still needs time on the bench to, you know, get his act together and, and practice because he's the one who's, who's holding everything back. And like, he could have done something about the two goals again, or maybe at least one of the goals against Juventus, like you said. But, uh, yeah. he's the one who should be the odd man out. But yeah, overall, the defense is getting better. They have looked like they have some semblance of, of a defense now, Bonucci's got the guys, you know, doing what they need to, and hopefully Donnarumma, you know, becomes more vocal and you know yells at also Bonucci and everybody else to you know to get him where he needs them to go, so he can start seeing shots and you know play better. So it's, it's and we're gonna go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Finish up, Richard. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just saying, like like you said, it was, it's a progression, and I see it's coming, but I don't know about the wins if it's going to keep coming. I mean, I, I kind of with Mark I, what he was saying about it's it's there's nothing there right now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, again, at least the defending is better. And I mean, as far as the, you know, as it relates to the crap on a cracker 11, I think that Leonardo Bonucci was, was, was finding a home in this team. Uh, you know, the last couple of games, at least since coming back from the spent suspension, um, you know, the light bulb has gone off and in a way he's, he's played his way out of it. And we will, we'll get a chance to talk about some other players that might have contended for this position, but let's get into the crap on a cracker 11 through the first third of the season. And uh, you'll find a recurring theme with these players as you're listening. These all are players on teams that are uh, buried at the bottom of the table. Uh, the, the, the teams have performed poorly, and as a result, you know, these players have performed accordingly with their team's performance. So um, we're going to start with the goalkeeper, and we landed on Alex Cordaz of Crotone. Mark all 12 games. He's made all 12 appearance. He's appeared in all 12 of Crotone's games, uh, and has conceded 23 goals. Uh, that's a pretty much a no brainer, isn't it? Pretty much. I mean, the, the last game against Bologna, I know, was it, uh, Verdi scored two free kicks. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
the first one couldn't do nothing about it. The second one, he basically patted it into the side net, and that was awful goalkeeping. His distribution is average at best, wayward consistently. Um, yeah, I know goalkeepers are meant to be eccentric, but they're also meant to be able to stop simple shots as well. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> he's been awful, absolutely yep. awful. And I'm going to do these by groups where when we get to the squad of Finola, we're going to talk about each player individually uh, so we can spend more time on the better players. Um, you know, I, so, so for me, it was, a, it was a slam dunk for Alec Kodaz to be the, uh, the goalkeeper in the crap on a cracker 11. Um, uh, it is a 4-3-3 formation, by the way, uh, in our uh, crap on a cracker 11 in honor of the Sassuolo 4-3-3 that's, for whatever reason, not working with the talent that they have. Um, so the back four is uh, at right back, Benevento's Lorenzo Venuti. Uh, the center backs are Fabio Lucioni of Benevento, Federico Ceccarini of Crotone, and the left back is Samuel Suprian of Verona. Richard, uh, Lucioni has had the fewest appearances of these four, but he has had some of the worst games uh, of a center back in Serie A this season. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the stink of this back four is real, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can see with each four, uh, three teams that are that comprises back four, they've all been stinking it up. Um, you know, Verona, Benevento, and uh, who's the other other team? Um, Crotone. Um, yep. They've all been they've all been really bad. Uh, Benevento has been the worst of the bunch, and they just leak goals for for joy. It seems uh, they're getting, it feels like they it feels like they're giving up five goals a game, and I know they're not, but it's it's close. Um, they're. Their attacking side of the team is okay. It's entertaining. They don't really do much. But defensively, they are god awful. I mean, mm. the only reason, the only reason the goalkeeper didn't make it is because the goalkeeper is actually a little bit more decent than Cordaz. Cordaz has been horrific this season. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's yeah. It's 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 been that way. I mean, I think Benevento has split the goalkeeping duties with each game. They haven't had a, a, a regular guy in there to just stink for all 12 games, so that's why we've got Cordaz in there. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, yeah, this is a this is a back for the representative. But Mark uh, Federico Ceccarini, who was actually a key piece to Crotone's survival last season, you know, finds his way here. I mean, he he started with the red card in the first five minutes against Milan in match week one, and it's been downhill from there. Yes, I don't know <laughs> what happened to him in the summer. Um, that's him and the goalkeeper are a spine of shit, shall we say. That mm-hmm. <laughs> He's been positionally woeful, uh, last-ditch challenges that haven't worked out, hence the red card. Um, woefully out of his depth this season. Woefully mm-hmm. out of depth. Like you said, but last year, inspirational. So I'm not too sure where he started believing his own hype. I'm not too... There was a few people mentioned him as half-decent for a mid-table side, but yeah, absolutely stinking. It's which is crazy because last season I actually had him in a I, when I picked I picked a team of the season where you were required to pick only one player from each team. You were limited to one player from each team, and I said, you know, Crotone survived, and I think Check, you know, obviously Falcinelli was hugely responsible going forward, but Checarini had a big role in this def- defensively. So yeah, it's it has not been good from him. Uh, you know, and the rest of it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you know, Suprayan is the <laughs> first game of the season. Um, 
you know, scores an own goal against Napoli as if Napoli ever needed his help. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, it's been bad ever since. And, you know, Venuti's just part of a, you know, of a, of a trash heap of defenders right now at Benevento um, that after match week two, like I said, after match week two, they're already planning for life in Serie B. Uh, so uh, let's get to the midfield group. It is uh, uh, Bruno Zuccolini of Verona, Danilo Cataldi of Benevento, and Miguel Veloso of Genoa. Mark uh, Zuccolini, uh, the... Uh, it's supposed to be the engine room guy, the ball winning guy, the real poor man's get two. So for Verona in their ambition to try to survive relegation, in reality, he's a red card waiting to happen, isn't he? Uh, I think the expression we use here is headless chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he used that here too. <laughs> yeah. Just constantly running around with no sense of positional play. When he does get the ball, the first thing he does is give it away again. Uh, Serie B player. It, it, if ever I've seen one, um, awful. Like I said, it's, you can be a ball winning player and be able to pass a football, which someone needs to tell Mr. Zuccolini because he's obviously forgot. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it, and, uh, and, and Richard, Miguel Veloso, I mean, I, I'm not going to. Danilo Cataldi, this is kind of a poor bastard pick because he's a young player that is sent on loan from Lazio. It's like, okay, there's this great Lazio team. Yeah. Going to go to Europe? No, no, no. We're going to loan you out to Benevento. You got to go over there for a season. <laughs> so, and, 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 and he has not, <laughs> there's, there's too much on, maybe too much on his plate for where he's at in his career. Uh, he's, playing, so what, he's playing to Benevento's level. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. So, um, but Miguel Veloso, I mean, what the hell happened to him? He was a promising yeah, uh, up-and-coming I, player, and here at Genoa, he struggled at Genoa. And it seems like it's just the whole thing with Genoa in general, that they're struggling altogether other than Perrin. Um, yeah, Veloso, you know, he's another midfield, midfielder who you expect to take control of the game, win the ball back, uh, set up the fence, you know, get some goals in himself, and he's really not doing that. He's just been blah. Um, and it's, it's not what you expect when you hear the name Miguel Veloso. You expect good things, and it really, he's been non-existent just like Genoa has all season. Mm, it is uh, these three have all uh, these three have all had their struggles and are rightfully in the position that they're in in the midfield. Uh, moving to our front three, our right winger is Alessio Cerchi of Hellas Verona. Our left winger is Marco Sau of Cagliari, and our striker is Diego Falcinelli of Sassuolo. Mark, somebody from the Sassuolo front three had to be in this team. I didn't realize they had a front three. They've been that. (laughs) (laughs) Six goals scored in eight games. I'm not too sure what's gone wrong. Obviously, Valtinelli was a bit of a hero of ours last year. And uh, I think, again, another player that's symptomatic of the team he's in. I think at the Hall... The whole situation at Sassuolo is slightly strange. Um, obviously, change of manager, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but yeah, woeful. Just completely devoid of confidence. But again, I say that's symptomatic of the team in general. They seem to have completely lost. I hope they don't get relegated. I really do because of the, all the good work they've put in in the last two or three years will just be flushed. Yeah, flushed yeah. away. Whoever. Whether uh, being at Cotone last season, there was no pressure. You know, he knew he he, he wouldn't got to be a permanent fixture there. Whether the pressure's got to him this season, that's hard to say. But yeah, something's badly amiss. Yeah, I mean, and it mystifies me because we talked about before the season Christian Buki coming in 
played a very attractive style at Perugia. You know, he's coming to a team where he's got better support. I mean, with all due respect to Cotone, he's got better support and better service at Sassuolo. When you look at Matteo Politano, when you look at Domenico Berardi, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. Um, you know, and uh, it's... Um, it is. It's something's amiss there. Something's not right. It's just shocking that it has not been working out here at Sassuolo. Um, you know, I mean, some of this has to do with the fact that Eusebio Di Francesco might have really been that good a manager with yeah. when you consider what he's doing over at Roma. Um, you know, there's certainly that argument, but um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's quite interesting. And, and, and Marco Sao is just kind of, I mean, Cagliari's having a decent season. Um, they're in 14th, but the, the plaudits are going to Joao Pedro uh, in, a, in a system where Marco Sao should have a chance to flourish, and he hasn't really done much, uh, you know, for the Sardinians. It's been Joao Pedro, uh, you know, a little bit of Pavoletti here and there, and that's about it. So It, should, uh, it really should have been the Marco Sao and Joao Pedro show, and really it just turned a one-man show. Marco Sao has just been fading away. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Mark, who manages this scrap heap? Let's open that up for a discussion. Who's the manager that, uh, that, that is crap on a cracker at this point? <laughs> um, to me, going by expectations, I'm going to go for Mr. Montella. I think, uh, uh as uh, you were getting ready to say that, I'm in my mind was going five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. <laughs> And yeah, I didn't want to disappoint you. I, I'm like I've stated, I've stated my reasons why I don't think he's. I think he's a mid, mid table coach, and yeah, f- with, with the um, the the players at his disposal. I know there's always this bedding in stuff, but these are professional players. They know how to play systems. Mm. But like I said, I don't think there is a system that the players can really connect with at Milan. And yeah, I'm surprised that as soon as Mr. Ancelotti was available that they didn't make moves too. But yeah, I think obviously I'm not going to heap any more woes on Benevento, so I'll leave their coach alone. (laughs) (laughs) For me, yeah, I think that would uh, definitely be Mr. Montella. Sure, sure. Uh, Richard, are you going to go along with this? Well, I'd love to say Ventura, but I don't think we can pick him for this. Um, Why not? It's I, our po- it's our podcast. I was going to say that many Milan <laughs> Milan fans were going to say Montella, but you know Mark already got it, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go with someone who I've been disappointed with this season, and that's Christian Buki. Um, especially with the, the front three that they you know have at their disposal and the team that they had, I expect we all expected a lot more from Sassuolo, and they're just they're not performing and it has to come down to manager. That's the only thing I can think of. So I'm going to go with Buki. Okay. Um, all right. So Mark's going to go with Montella. You're going to go with Buki. And uh, you know what? I'm the host of the Serie A sit down. So damn it. I'm going with Giampiero Ventura. Okay. <laughs> he is our crap on a cracker manager right now. So I, we're going to, we're, we're going to bend the rules because no Italy manager in my time, even, I mean, Roberto Donadoni is sitting there looking, God, you're terrible at this. He's like, miss me? he's like, miss me yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. And and Donadoni's not a bad manager. In fact, the way the way it's been turning out and the job he's doing at uh, Bologna. So, uh, considering the resources that he has to work with. So, um, no, I I I Ventura is my crap on a cracker manager. I see the argument. I get the point for for Montella. I definitely get the point for uh, uh, for Buki. Uh, you know, we're, we're, the direction we really could have gone was uh, Rastelli, uh since he was yeah. the first manager sacked. Um, you know, but. 
we've already kicked enough people while they were down. Can we so, talk uh, honorable mentions? Yeah, honorable mentions. But let's try to let's try to go with players that are on higher end teams that have been crap. Now, Ooh. as I say that, as I say that, okay, Leonardo Bonucci and Lucas Pelia are obvious. They've been bad. They, they, you know, and, and Bonucci's been better the last couple of games. But Pelia, prior to the injury, has not delivered what was expected. Um, you know, if you're going to be 31 years old and someone's going to spend 20 million on you to come over, you need to be better than what you are. So, um, so, uh, so Richard, I'll start with you. Think of a player that, uh, honorable mention and, and, and try to pick from one of the, uh, one of the better teams if you can. Well, let me just throw in the name Gianluca Lapadula real quick because I thought he's been having a horrendous season for, for Genoa. Anyway, moving on to the higher end teams. Um, I think Gregoire Defrel from Roma has been pretty non-existent for a team that's been so fun to watch. Um, you don't hear mm-hmm. his name much, and he's been playing, but he just can't adapt to uh, coming from Sassuolo to Roma. So I, I, I definitely have him. And then being a Milanisti, I'm going to say Leonardo Bonucci, Lucas Biglia, and Frank Kessie because I expected so much from the three of them. And while Bonucci's turning around, I'm still – the other two are not performing to where I need them to perform. They're way too consistent, um, and I'm just extremely disappointed with all three, really. And, and oh, Romagnoli, and Romagnoli, I forgot him. You're gonna put you're gonna put Kessie in that group. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I think he's 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 had some good enough games to not have to be in that conversation. But then also got off at, at moments too, and you're like, what? Are you, what was that? Lovely, lovely assist he had against Kievo. There's just a problem with that assist. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, you know some of some guys that uh, you know maybe deserve a mention here uh, that maybe didn't make this team, but. Uh, is on watch for uh, future crap on a cracker teams. Um, I think the way his season's going, both domestically and internationally, I think Daniele De Rossi's got to be considered. Yeah. Yeah. I think even the Roma fans on my Twitter account have saying, oh my God, his legs have gone. He's completely useless. And mm. from the games I've seen, Obviously, I bow to their superior knowledge, but I also had Alfred Duncan in from Sassuolo. I think he's been god awful this season yep. as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, another young, promising player who had the world at his feet, and now his feet have turned into concrete from some of the touches I've seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah and obviously, Lucas Belia is another standout contender. I don't know why he hasn't been made. Made space for Locatelli to get some games in. I know they're slightly different types of players, but yeah, he's been disappointed. I can see where the, the Kessie argument come from as well. At the start of the season, everyone physically, you know, imposing them just runs and runs and runs. But my God, if ever a player looks like he needs a rest, yeah, the, yeah. poor Frank. Putting on a few miles already. He's only you know he's only twenty years old. I'm going to give you guys two players. Uh, and I'll go to Inter first and start with uh, Joao Mario. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's as this Spalletti project evolves, he's more of a square peg in a round hole. Um, you know, it's a it's a sad state of affairs when you're out there. And it, the vivid memory is the Bologna game where you're out there and, and, and you're not contributing anything, and you and and Ader is coming in for you. Um, so. Um, <laughs> I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this shit alone. I'm on a crusade that this guy should never be an Italian international ever again. Okay, and and I'm glad he plays for Inter because it's just so much easier to make fun of him. But uh, Jean Mario, for me, it it has it has not clicked with him the way it's clicked with some of the other players at Inter. 
you know, so far this season. And, and um, he's got more talent than that. So, um, and then the other player I'm going to go after is Salvatore Sirigu of Torino. You were really? supposed, you were supposed wow. to prove, you were supposed to prove that Joe Hart sucks. Okay. And 19 goals conceded through 12 games. That is a small improvement for Torino considering what they were defensively last season, but it's still, I mean, we're, we're, you know, they're, they're an eighth. Okay. It's a, it, it's probably where we should expect Torino to be and all this, you know, and all this other stuff. But, you know, Mark, you had high, you know, had some pretty high expectations for them. Well, I mean, not like top four or European place, but maybe that defensively it would be better with him being there with Nkolu, uh, on loan from, uh, from Leon. But, uh, you know, the, the defending and the goals and, and the conceding of goals, um, maybe it's, maybe it's Mihailovic's tactics. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, uh, I, I agree. He had a really shaky start, but I had discussions with this about the goalkeeper position before, uh, that's a, you know, you have time out or you have a torrid season. That seems to take them ages to get back to where they were. But mm-hmm. I think in the last game against Inter, he was outstanding. But yes, I did say to, uh, Richard Hall of the General when we were talking about the Torino Inter game, the beginning of the season, he was all over the place. And I think yeah. that was just, I mean, there was no reason why he should have lost his PSG spot. He was doing fine. And then they decided, to go out and get Kevin Trapp for whatever reason, and that's been a downward slide. I think he spent some time up in Spain, didn't he? Was Syracuse with some? Yeah, he was with uh, one of the bottom level teams. Yeah, uh, Osasuna or someone. Ultimately, ended up relegated. Exactly. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Remember. that does but sound. I'm, that does sound right. Yep. Yeah, a gradual improvement, but yeah, after the first maybe six to eight games, I'd say nail on. But I think he's done a little bit of a Benucci there. He's turned it around the last few games. But I think you're also spot on with Mihailovic's tactics because I did. I thought they were going to be a top six side, improved defensively with the signings and proves I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, certainly been, uh, it's certainly been interesting, that's for sure. But uh, I, I, I had to take a jab at it just a little bit because when I, I saw – the when I saw that move get made, I thought, okay, Torino should be better defensively, and here they are on 19 goals. I think it's more of a body of work thing. He has been better in the last couple of games, but just one that I wanted to throw in. So you um, like being controversial, Frank? <laughs> I, I like I like stirring it up a little bit. I don't I don't mind it. So, um, all right. So give us your uh, thoughts on crap on a cracker. Did we get it right? Who deserves to be in? Who uh, who are we being harsh on? Go to at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram and uh, let's get to the good of Serie A after all of this. All right, here it is. It is the first edition of the Squadra Finora, the team of the season so far through the first third of the season. Uh, you know, we, we, we got through the bad because there's plenty of bad <laughs> teams and players in Serie A. We're not going to kid ourselves here. Uh, but there's also been some very, very good. Um, and uh, to try to limit this to a formation and 11 men uh, is, is, is very, very challenging, very, very difficult every time. So if, if we don't mention a player that you think is deserving, we're sorry. Um, we can't put everybody on here. <laughs> so, um, you know, but we will talk about some of the honorable mentions just to make you feel a little bit better because there are a couple on here 
there, there are a couple that didn't make it that will certainly, you know, get some, you know, be deserving of some mentions. So, um, now, uh, the squadra finola will be updated. This is the first edition. It'll be updated two more times. And then at the end of the season, we will have our team of the season where it's all finalized. So this is a progression. Um, some players make it through all four teams. Last year, Leonardo Benucci did when he, with Juventus, Felipe Anderson. Other times, you know, a player pops up, you know, in one and then falls off the map and doesn't appear on anymore. So, um, we, we do change this up every time. We don't just stick with the same 11 players. We are going with a 4-3-3 in celebration of Maurizio Sarri's 4-3-3 and what he has done at Napoli and the start that he's gotten off to this season. Um, and, uh, we're going to start with the goalkeeper. Uh, for all of the goals being scored in Serie A, there's actually some very good choices for goalkeeper. And Mark, we landed on Alisson of Roma. Talk about him a little bit. Well, second season at Roma, first season, the first choice. Um, like I said, when we were talking about Serie A, you'd have time out of a team and that seemed to take keepers a while to find their feet, but not him. He's been fantastic. I think Roma have had four or five one nil wins on the trot. And I can't remember their last game, but he pulled off a, an outstanding save. Um, he's just oozes confidence. I'm really impressed with him. Um, I think it was in the Fior, Fiorentina game. Um, oh, yeah, just yeah. A one-handed poured it from behind him and just not just got it, but pushed it, but he pushed it well away. I was, but he's just getting better and better and better. He's a really good. A really good sign, and and that, that you know he he's shown some patience to sit on the bench for a whole season because he he weren't cheap. I don't think I think they paid big money for him, but yeah, fantastic. Yep. Uh, part of this spine that we've been talking about, Richard, that we suddenly seem to find at Roma these days. Yeah, he's brought stability to them. You know, they're, they're comfortable back there, and they're they're. They they know when he's back there they're gonna they can bail him out when they do make the the odd mistake um he's been he's been nothing but a uh, a blessing for them this season for sure 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 uh you know I mean uh, fewest goals conceded they also have played one less game uh you know than Napoli but they've only conceded seven goals through eleven games and uh you know Alison has had a big big role in that so uh, moving over to our right back this was a challenging position to pick uh, but we landed on. Uh, Inter's Danilo D'Ambrosio. Uh, Richard, a, a, a little blurb about him, please. Yeah, um, he's been having himself a nice season at Inter. Him and Kandreva have been linking up very well together. Um, and they've been feeding Icardi on the regular. Um, and the rest of, and the rest of the Inter guys. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's done better than he did last year. I think he's in, this year's, uh, this season's an improvement than last. Um, he's, he can play some defense, um, but he's better in the attacking sense and his crosses come in. Uh, he has very good, he's very good passing ability coming from the right side. And then, like I said, him and, him and Kondreva linking up together, they can switch off. And, you know, when, when he attacks, Kondreva bra- uh, drops back and stuff. So, uh, he's been very good and, you know, he's been, um, you know, he's been, very instrumental, I think, for for Inter and to be where they're at, uh, because he's he they're they're very stable on on his end at least. I uh, can't say speak for the rest of the defense, but uh, on the right side at least, Inter are in good hands with uh, with uh, the Ambrosio and Canareva. Mark, uh, more evidence that Giampiero Ventura doesn't watch any club football because I I, I would pick. I mean, I, granted, Damian had a nice game against Sweden, but I would pick the Ambrosio over Damian. 
I would too. I mean, Spalletti weaving his magic because it's fair to say the Ambrose who didn't have the best of seasons last year. But like uh, Richard said, the um, the link up between him and Kondraver, that the the interchange and is fantastic. Um, like we said before, it's hard to define a fullback nowadays because they're an offensive weapon as much as they are defensive, and I think he's really bought into. Um, Spalletti style of play and reaping the rewards. Yeah, agreed. Uh, just, uh, you know, the talent, the ability to go forward, the crossing. And I mean, it's a good partnership with Kandreva. He doesn't get in Kandreva's way. Kandreva doesn't get in his way. Uh, you know, the way they've got things working on the right flank makes it very difficult for opposing teams uh, to defend and to deal with. So uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio makes this edition of the Squadra Finora. Uh, the first center back is Danilo D'Ambrosio's teammate, Milan Skriniar of Inter. Mark uh, Skriniar has uh, gone from Sampdoria to Inter and has just, you know, not only has he picked up where he left off with the quality that he showed at Sampdoria, you could argue that he's even playing better under Spalletti. Uh, without a doubt, I think the standout game was the Milan derby as well, where like, his tagging, his distribution, obviously, again, center backs now have to be good in possession and uh, and passing and yeah he's the modern centre-back good defensively and can pass as well I've been really impressed with him again again he's took the step up like it's been no problem whatsoever looks really assured and I said he's just part uh, and should be an integral part of the Inter project for the next few seasons without a doubt uh, what a difference in uh, a new defender to the setup makes for Inter, a team that, uh, uh, you know, last season gave up a lot of goofy goals. And now Skinner has come in here and he's he sort of galvanized things, hasn't he, Richard? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, you know, as a Milanista, I hate to, I hate to admit that an Inter player does really well, but Skriniar is, is a fantastic signing by them. And uh, he's going to he's gonna be something special, I think, for Inter if they can keep on to him. Um, he's just showing that with each game that he plays, the more confidence he gets, and, and he might turn into a shutdown uh, center back here in, uh, in short order. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's, uh, he's been, he has been rock solid. I uh, really like the way he plays. Uh, the other center back uh, is Napoli's Kalidou Koulibaly. Richard, I mean, this guy, I, Napoli have only conceded eight goals in 12 games without him. Uh, and the way they play, you could argue that they would concede. They would have conceded about 20 goals this season. Absolutely. Speaking of shutdown centers, uh, this guy can shut down everyone ex- apart from Man City. <laughs> um, he it seems that every week in Serie A, when whoever's uh, the the big horse, you know, Immobile, Belotti, whomever, um, Koulibaly just shuts him down. He has no problem. Um, you know, I guess Mertens and uh and the guys up in attack for Napoli are just happy that he's on their team because uh he he's he's a speed, he has the physical attributes, um the intelligence, he he just uh, an all around great uh, defender and he's only gonna get better because uh, he's he's not that old. What is he? Twenty seven or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh he he's he hasn't reached his peak yet and he's just such a good defender and I enjoy watching this guy play defense. I don't like to watch defenders anymore because they're not as good as they used to be, but he is one of the defenders I do like to watch. And he can get up and tack the ball on on, on set pieces as well. So that's just another thing he does well. Uh Capo Cananieri campaigns just get ruined with this guy, yeah. don't they, Mark? <laughs> Without doubt, I think in, in Sarri's first season at Napoli, he was the most improved player in Serie A, regardless. And last season and this season, there's just little subtle changes that just make him 
superb. You know, his distribution's improved immaculately. Vertical passes that break the lines into the front three or a more advanced hamsick. He's, it, I agree, Rich is just a joy to watch. He's, he's a footballer that can defend and that's just brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree with that. Moving on to our left back, and this was a very easy one. This was a mortal lock when we started putting this team together. It's Alexander Kolarov of Roma. Uh, Mark, uh, signing of the season so far, and maybe by a mile. Without a doubt. Um, great defender, set-piece taker, goal scorer. Uh, the, the man's just an absolute monster physically. He, he's not imposing, but the work he does and positionally as well, he just always seems to be in the right place. And when you do that consistently, that's not luck. That's great game management, game reading. Like I said, he's, he's scored a, a couple of free kicks as well. Yeah, he's just without doubt considering Excuse me, considering a uh, former Lazio player, he's gone down a treat with the Roma fans. <laughs> it's just been, oh, well, it just goes to show, I don't know, how, how good he has been. He may not yeah. be physically intimidating, but he's definitely, his look is definitely intimidating for, for other, for opposing uh, players, because when I look from him, you're like, oh, okay, I don't want to mess with him anymore. Yep. <laughs> Switch seems, flanks. <laughs> seems, yeah, Richard seems much more, you know, relaxed and composed and assured of himself playing for Roma. It just seemed like the, you know, when Pep came over to uh, Manchester City, it just seemed like he was the one guy that was like, man, he's having a hard time fitting into what Guardiola wants to do. Yeah, and I think maybe it just it's experience, his age, his maturity. Because what is he, thirty six or something like that? He's in his. He's not that old, oh, but he's it? in okay. his thirties. But yeah. yeah, so but he, I think it's his finally the game is. Uh, his, I guess, intellectually, he's he's finally at that point where the game slows down enough for him. He sees where he need, everything is um, slows down for him, so he can he can hit the right pass, get the right shot, uh, be in the right place defensively. Um, it just seems that this season with 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 uh, Roma, maybe just being back in Syria, it just that comfortability um, is back for him, and he looks a solid solid pick. But for Roma, I mean, definitely signing the season, and. Uh, He's he's been scoring some wonderful goals both in uh, Serie A and in Champions League. Um, he's uh, he's he's another player that is fun to watch, especially the big games. He plays his best. It seems like in Serie A. So um, kudos to to Roma for for snatching for what like five million or something. Yep, yep, indeed. I mean, just got him for a steal, and, and he's certainly uh, he's certainly paying off. Uh, but uh, he makes our. Our squadra finora. I think this is the first time we have not had Alexandro in this position since we've done this. So he's been quiet um, this season. He's been quiet. Yeah, he's been he's been awfully quiet. So, uh, but you never know. He might he might turn it up. Let's get into the midfield. First midfielder is uh, and we have three uh, three man midfield and uh, the first midfielder is Sampdoria's Lucas Torreira. Uh, Richard uh, Signora Ferrero is probably already counting his money with this guy, isn't he? Yeah, man, this Uruguayan can ball. Uh, he is, he's such a joy to watch. He's, he's one of these, he with another guy we're going to mention here in a minute. Uh, these are two young guys that are just taking Serie A by storm. Uh, they're really going to take, you know, Europe by storm here shortly. Um, they, they, they can win the ball. They can, you know, set up the plays. They can even score from distance. Torreira scored a goal the other, the other week from long range, a free kick. It was top shelf. It was beautiful shot. Um, this seems like there's nothing this guy can do, and each week he's getting better. Um, 
And so Sampdoria have really got a gem on their, on their, on their hands. I mean, last, last year we saw glimpses of him. Everyone really focused on Patrick Schick being there. Uh, but now that he's gone, he's really taken the limelight, uh, from, from, well, it's, which is hard because Sampdoria are such, so stacked. Um, but he's really like the guy who just sticks out during the matches. You know, he's, he, every time the ball, he's always there where the ball is. Uh, he's finding the passes. Um, and like I said, he can score off free kicks. He's, he, what more do you want from a guy, huh? No, he's been phenomenal so far this season. Big reason why Sampdoria are off to that uh, uh, sixth, sixth place start here through the first 12 match weeks. Uh, you know, Mark Lucas Torreira, uh, just to call him a box to box midfielder is, is, is not being fair to him, is it? That was a bit disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, technically brilliant. Like Richard said, he reads the game really well. Like I said with Kudabali, uh, or Kolarov, you don't, happen to repair in the right places consistently by luck. For a young man, he can really read the game well and he can manage the game well when things need slowing down and the game needs, you know, to be controlled. He He's that man. And that free kick the other week was just something special. It really was. Mm, it was. And the, the money that Milan spent for Bailey, uh, they possibly could have gotten uh, Torero for just a few million more. So, um oof. So, but we can we can sit there and wish what what could have been at Milan. But anyway, <laughs> um, moving on to our next midfielder, uh, we're going to go to Lazio and Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Uh, Mark, we just got done talking. I just got done saying something about that Lucas Bigley. He's gone, and Milinkovic Savic has just picked up the ball, and uh, he is uh, he has just ran this Lazio midfield and then some, hasn't he? He's immense. There's no there's reasons why big bigger clubs. I'll say bigger clubs, Premier League clubs and La Liga clubs are being linked with him. His passing's phenomenal. Uh, physically, he's, you know, the majority of his goals come with headers. Um, I was afraid that when Belia left that he would be shown up in certain areas, but he's now struck up a similar partnership with Lucas Lever and that's just Tremendous. He he is a, a modern day midfielder, tackling, passing, chances he creates. His work's done in all thirds of the field. It's just an absolute joy to watch. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if Lazio can hold on to him. Not so much January, but next summer if this form continues, then there's big money to be made on him. I am with you. <clears throat> certainly with you on that. Uh, uh, you know, R- Richard, we we sing this guy's praises every week when we do this pod. Yeah, I mean, he whether whether he'll admit it or whether Lazio played him in this position, I think he is like a trecortista because uh, not only can he do the stuff that you need him to do in midfield, he can attack and he can score and all like you know like Mark said with his head or he can sh- uh, score with his feet. Um, he just reads the game so well, just like Torreira. Both both him and Torreira are such joys to watch because they're each week they're getting better. They're so smart for their age. Um, and their passing ability is just unreal. And the way to, you know, shield the defender off and keep the possession and, and keep the play going, uh, in, in their, in their possession. He, uh, he's special. He is very special. I, I'm, I, I, I can't say anything more. I mean, he, you know, when you lose a player like Bilia's, uh, elk, you would think it could be a, you know, like Mark was saying, a, a, a regression, but no, he kind of stepped up and, and in big games, he comes in, he comes in and he usually gets the goal or the big assist. Uh, to help Lazio win, um, him and Immobile have been have been fantastic together this season, and uh, maybe Immobile is the one pulling him along, or maybe he maybe he's the one pulling Immobile along. Who knows? So uh, joy to watch, joy to watch for sure. 
Yeah, definitely agree. And Serie A, please, if it's not Lazio, somebody in Serie A, please keep this guy uh, in this league. Uh, you know, and, and then we'll not uh, we'll not blame Signor Lortito if uh, somebody comes in with an unbelievable offer for him and wants to cash in. So, uh, but um, but let's hope he's let's hope it's with another Serie A club. Uh, I know Juventus was interested in him in the summer, but uh, but you never know. But yeah, really really love this guy's game. Rounding out the midfield, uh, uh, we had some decisions to make on this, and ultimately we went with Juventus's Miralem Pjanic. Uh, yeah, Richard, the combination of, um, well, Juventus being in second, and it's been really a balanced effort from their team right now to be in the position that they're in. Um, but in Miralem Pjanic's case, okay, Paulo Dybala got off to a flyer here in the first couple of games. He's tailed off a little bit. But then, you know, Pjanic is getting a different partner in midfield in uh, uh, Allegri's setup. And whether it's Sami Kadira or whether it's Blaise Matuidi, the performances from him are still the same and a big part of why Juve are in second. Oh, absolutely. I mean, n- not to mention his uh, his amazing free kicks. You know, when you have instability and in, in you're in the middle of the field like you do with uh, Juventus, because you never know it's Kadira or Blaise Matuidi, like you said, um, he... Pjanic has been consistent, um, and that, and that's it's it's really um, it goes down to uh, you know Allegri's tactics, and it also goes down to Pjanic's himself because he is he's a really good player. He you know when this he's been adjusted back you know further back than he's used to back in his Roma days or even before that. Um, but it's, he, he's really relishing this role. He's able to you know help out the defense and then link it to the attack. Um, he's he's such a smart player. His vision is is very good. Um, he reads the game very well for um for his age or well, his age he's up there he's like in his, he's like 30 or 29 or something like that uh, but he's he's a good player i mean there's no doubt about it he sets up he sets up the the attack really and he pulls the strings even from back where he is and he 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 instills a calmness back there that um it allows the attackers not to worry they can you know try a little bit more with him back there cuz they know that he'll be back there to help out the defense should anything go wrong so Yep, agree with agree with all of those points that you're making there. Uh, uh, Mark uh, Pjanic uh, certainly has elevated uh, what he's done for Juventus here in the early uh, in the early match weeks. Yeah, I think there's a combination of things why he's been sort of largely uh, understated this season. Obviously, the, the front two of the Italian players of Juventus take take tend to take the shine away from Pjanic but he has like Richard said adjusted his game to a deeper to a deeper position you know his stats are superb five assists this season already a completed pass rate of over 92% he is that link man you know and like I said you know, he's different midfield partners but he is the stability in there and uh, yeah I think well Deserve to be in in that midfield of uh, best players of the season so far. Yeah, I definitely agree with definitely agree with all of that. Milan Pjanic has certainly, uh, you know, uh, you know, acquitted himself well, and is you know, his, his he he does a lot of things really well. Um, you know, he's not you know out and out elite at, at any certain area of his game. Um, free kicks, maybe, uh, but. But he does things. He does things at a at a at a high level, at a consistency high, at a consistently high level. So, uh, so that is our midfield. Let's move to the attackers, and we're going to start on the right hand side. And eh, he hasn't necessarily been predominantly a right sided attacker, but this is our team. So, 
you pick your own team. Um, and uh, we're talking about Lazio's Luis Alberto. Mark, uh, okay, so we talked about Bilia moving on and, and Milinkovic Savic come in. Uh, Keita Balde moves on to Monaco. Felipe Anderson hasn't played a minute yet. And we find this guy, and he has been phenomenal and a big reason why Lazio are sitting in fourth. Arguably the breakout player of the season so far, I'd say. Um, close to three key passes per game. I mean, to be fair, he's well under the radar till this season. Uh, another little tick in, in Zaghi's uh, ever-increasing um, box of tricks. He's just been fantastic. Um, yeah, the fact that Felipe Anderson hasn't got a minute. Uh, he's flexible. He's not stuck in what one position he can play in uh, most positions in an attacking sense but yeah he's been a revelation this season mm, he certainly has and Richard you know Mark brought up Simone Inzaghi he just has this effect doesn't he and, and Luis Alberto is a classic example yeah uh it, it all comes down to the manager because the manager brings out the best in players and they pulled out another gem with Luis Alberto um he's got something like three goals five assists this season so far and He's de- him with him and Milinkovic Savic. Uh, they're they're making Immobile like, even look even better than he is. I mean, he, they're freeing him up because they, their passes. Uh, they're so smart. Um, they're just uh, it came out of nowhere. Just like Mark said, he's he's going to be uh, you know what a, you know player comes out of the blue this season because no one expected it. Everyone was expecting Felipe Anderson to be the, be the man to join up top with Selinke, uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savic and uh, it's Luis Umberto. So imagine if uh, once if they decide to go to a Three guys in the midfield have like Luis Alberto, Milinkovic Savic, and uh, Felipe Anderson up front, you know, to go behind uh, Immobile. That could be even more lethal than what they're doing right now. But yeah. don't, don't rock the boat, I guess, what I say right now, because they're scoring lots of goals. They don't need uh, Felipe Anderson at this moment. No, very, very much agree uh, with all of that. And, uh, to, you know, Mark's point, he captured it perfectly, the revelation of the season so far uh, in Serie A. Uh, Luis Alberto is certainly a, a big reason uh, for Lazio's success, not just in Serie A, but also in the Europa League as well. So uh, moving over to the left wing, we talked about him in the Italy recap. We're putting him where he belongs. Maybe Ventura might not do it. Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli. Uh, Richard, this has been a more balanced Napoli th- th- than, than than last season, where, I mean, almost all of the goals came from Dries Mertens. Yeah. But Insigne has been hugely influential on, on Napoli's success and their, uh, their unbeaten start to Serie A. He's gone onto another level this season. He was good last season. I mean, really good. But this season, he seems to be, he's turned into like a superstar with Napoli. You know, despite his, his, his size, um, he's distributing the ball very well. His passes are like pinpoint. Um, he can score. He comes up big in Champions League. He had uh, two big Champions League goals so far this season, this campaign. Um, he's, he's a big game, big time player. Um, it's unfortunate that he's been outplayed in a wrong position over, you know, with the Italian team. Uh, but with Napoli, you know, it's a perfect place for him, and the combination between him, Mertens, and uh, Callejon and Hamsik, they uh, they all they know each other very well, and he's just feeding off of them. This is this is a great season for him by far. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on Lorenzo Insigne? Richard made some interesting points here. It seems like he's elevated his game, you know, from what we've seen from him in seasons past. It's just uh, you know, comment a little on what he's done with Napoli, and I guess we can revisit how it's a shame that Ventura doesn't see what the rest of us see with him. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that he's mentioned he'd be prepared to wear the 10 shirt for Napoli if they ever decided to unretire, it says how confident, how happy he is to be at Napoli. He is 
key instrumental. Um, average three key passes per game, 77 or 78 passes per game with close to 90% completion rate just says it all. He's, yep. you know, you know, integral to what that, uh, to what Napoli are all about. Um, obviously defensively, he, not so much, but he occupies space in front of the fullback as a protection. So you don't expect someone five foot six to go flying into tackles, but his game awareness has been brought on and his eye for a pass. How many times have we seen that pass that we were talking about? Cuts in, cross, either Mertens or Callahan on the end of it. That's not just a hopeful punt into the box. These are crisp, accurate passes, and he's just seeing pictures that other players just don't seem to see. He's, 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 Fantastic. Yep. Yep. He's uh, he certainly he has certainly stepped it up. And gosh, with this Napoli attack, you got to get somebody in there. And he, I think, he's been the best of that front three so far. So uh, you know, so 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 no doubts there in our pick of Lorenzo Insigne. That leaves us with a striker. Oh, let's. Uh, should we, do we do? How long do I leave everybody in suspense on this one? Well, who I, this, could it be? Who could uh, it be? I, when you score 14 goals in your first 11 games of the season and you're the only player to have ever done that, you are a mortal lock for the squadra finora. Uh, Ciro Immobile of Lazio is our striker. Mark, the guy's just reborn. Another guy that's just reborn under Simone Inzaghi. He's grown as a player and I think as a person as well. He can now take the responsibility of leading the line on his own uh, after some fairly torturous times away after he left Torino but like you say 14 14 goals in 11 games he's also got I think a six assists as well so there's an added dimension to his game you know like I said credit to him but in credit to Inzaghi as well he's just brought him on that extra step and like I said playing as a as a solitary striker and adding that assist to your game has just made him a more complete player rather than a striker that hangs around in the box or on the shoulder just relying on pace. The added dimension to his game is just elevating him to that next level. Yes, yes, I have. I definitely agree with that. And, uh, oh, you know, Richard, we've we've had so many superlatives uh, talking about Chiro Immobile so far this season. Uh, why don't you add a few more? Huh. I mean, <laughs> look at this stat. If you look at all the European qualifiers, Serie A games, and Europa League games that, Nap- that uh, Lazio played so far, he has 22 goals in 25 games. That's ridiculous. That's Messi and Ronaldo type numbers. Like you said, he, he's the only person to do 14 goals in 11 games. Um, he's he's such a breathtaking type player because you know he's going to score. You're just waiting to see when it's going to happen. Um, against Juventus earlier in the season, uh, we knew he was going to score. We didn't know he was going to score two goals. Uh, but he, he just has a, a way of finding, he has a nose for goal. Um, he, it's kind of like, uh, Simone Inzaghi's, you know, other, his brother, Pipo. He has a nose for goal. He's always there in the right spot. Now he's, he's a more mobile than, than Pipo is. Uh, but he, he can find it anytime he can score from anywhere. Um, and he reads, he reads the play so well. Uh, he, he play, he tiptoes on that offsides line, offsides trap, but he does it. Perfect. It seems like he does it perfect every time. I don't, I don't remember him getting offsides. I know he does, but it doesn't seem like because he like, seems like he reads it perfectly every time. And he's got six assists this season in Serie A, so he he's passing to his teammates as well. He's not the only one getting goals, so that's that's a great sign for for Lazio uh, going forward. Because if he's the only scorer, then that's that's one thing. But you know, if 
teams are taking him away, he can set up the rest of his guys, and that just says this guy how how ama- amazing this player is. Yes, and again, fourteen goals in the first eleven games of the season never been never before been done in Serie A, um, and uh, uh, you know just an immense talent, and just to see the rebirth of him, uh, you know, coming over from uh, you know from the troubles that he had, you know, playing with Borussia Dortmund and then Sevilla, and just not not clicking there. Uh, you know, and then just all of a sudden finding his form again. It's great for him. Uh, you know, hopefully on Monday it will be great for the uh, Italian national team in, in the form of a victory against Sweden. Uh, but uh, he is our striker in the squadra finora. Uh, let's talk about, because there have been some very good managerial performances here, Richard. Uh, who would who would be your manager uh, of the squadra finora? Well, I, for most of the season, I have been tipping my hat towards Simone Inzaghi and the great work that Lazio has been doing because I I thought Lazio re- regressed this season, uh, but in the last month, uh, my my choice has been swayed and swayed big time. Um, and not to say anything bad about Simone Inzaghi, but Isabio Di Francesco, what he's done to what he's given Roma a spine. Um, look what they do in Champions League. They went to Stamford Bridge, got a draw. They came home and won three nothing against Chelsea. Uh, this guy has brought something that Roma hasn't had in a long time since their Scudetto years, maybe. And that's you know they're keeping clean sheets. Romas are keeping clean sheets when they when they go up. There's no worry now that they're going to blow that lead like they have in the past. So it all comes down to Sebi De Francesco, who I didn't think was ready for this type of job, but he clearly is. Yeah, he he definitely is. Uh, Mark, do you agree with uh, Richard for the uh, squad of the manager, Eusebio Di Francesco, or do you want to go in a different direction? Um, going in a different direction. Montella? Uh, <laughs> that's a different direction, all right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Marco Giampaolo at Sampdoria. I think that's the job so. he's, he's done there is fantastic. I think that was a club record. Four or five wins on the bounce. Um I thought he the step up would he'd struggle and but now I mean obviously he's that's a stacked Sampdoria squad and they've done well to keep most of them together but the return form of Qualiarella as well has helped him but yeah I mean obviously there, there was the obvious sorry shout but um, now I'm going with Michael Giampiero okay um, great uh, great calls each of these but. If we're going to strictly talk Serie A, uh, I, I, I'm going with Maurizio Sarri of Napoli. Um, okay, maybe they should be first or second, but unbeaten through 12 matches. Uh, you know, and uh, we know of the wonderful attacking going forward. But when I look at this, I look at this table and I've seen they've only, only conceded eight goals in 12 games. You know, they went to Roma and won 1-0. Yeah. You know, they went and learned how to win a big game one. That's going to serve them well when they get into their two games against Juventus when it comes to talking about this, uh, this title challenge. Maybe not so much for the performances in the Champions League, of course. But if we're going to talk strictly Celia here, and I know I, 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 I went off the grain with the crap on a cracker and picked Giampiero Ventura, and now I'm just going to go strictly Celia for the squad. <laughs> here I go stirring up the shit again. But anyway, I, 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 Saudi's my guy on this. I mean, I, but I, I, you know, I would not fight anybody about Simone Inzaghi, Luciano Spalletti, Eusebio Di Francesco, or Marco Giampaolo. I would not fight anybody about any of those guys and, and, and the job that they've done. So, all right. So we've all got uh, different opinions of managers. Honorable mention, and I'll go first on this. I actually had a conversation with a friend last night who's Argentinian, and I said to him, I said, you know, and we're talking about Mauro Icardi, and I said, 
Moro Icardi will be on a squad with Finora at some point before the season is over with, you know, and it was hard to leave him off of this team, but this is a system and we want to do this right from a formation standpoint. And there are some wingers, especially with Insigne and Luis Alberto, who deserve their opportunity to be in this. Icardi will get his day. Uh, we all think he's going to be the leading scorer in Serie A when it's all said and done. Um, he's got a little work to do now to catch up to Immobile. Uh, but I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, he gets an honorable mention for me. Uh, Mark, who missed the cut here that you foresee being any future squad that you know before the season is up? Um, Borja Valero at Inter, I think. Oh. Um, considering the situations of his transfer away from Fiorentina, he didn't want to leave, but was basically pushed out of the club. He's slotted into that Inter midfield and he just makes it tick. Uh, he, he is the one constant in there. I've been impressed. Obviously, again, the the, the occupation of space within the defensive phase of the game and his creativity. And I think that's largely gone under the radar because of the, the players like Ken Draver and uh, Icardi. But yeah, I, I'd like to give a little shout out to the bald bearded man, much like myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay. That's I, and, and I think he's, yeah, he's, he certainly has been influential. A lot of talk about that front three at Inter with Perisic, uh, Icardi and Candreva, but uh, Borja Valero has, has certainly, uh, helped pull the strings and, 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 and been responsible for Inter having the chances that they have. I'll agree with you there. So, uh, Richard, uh, give us one here that, uh, that, that's, uh, that's an honorable mention to you through these first 12 match weeks. Um, I, I'll give you a couple of names that I won't go into too much detail and then I'll give the last one at the end. Um, Lorenzo, Di, Lorenzo Di Silvestri, I thought could have got a shout, um, what he's doing at Torino and I thought yeah. he was the national team. Rafael Taloy, Atalanta, Icardi, like you said, Kandreva, I thought with, with Inter is doing really well. Iago Falque is another one. But the guy I'm going to go with, and I really want to go with all of Sabdoria, uh, cause the work of Linetti and all the guys today are all they're doing. But I'm going to go with the guy who's leading, leading them right now. And that's Fabio Oldman Qualiarella. Uh, mm. the work he's been doing this season, uh, it, he's been rejuvenated almost. And, and who know, I think they're, um, I know Napoli were trying to get him back over there, but you know, Sabdoria already shot that down and said, no, he's staying with us. Uh, he's, he's been, scored some big goals and he's, he's just leading the way. He's helping these youngsters learn and they're learning really quickly. Um, and, and you got to give him credit for that because, uh, he's scoring like he's, like he, it's him and Boreal. Those guys, they, they can score all season. We're not, Boreal has been quiet this season, but Qualiarella, he's, he's scoring. He's, he's been up there with the, with the leaders. He's not quite at Immobile's level, but he's scoring goals. And, uh, that's, that's something to say for his ripe age of what, 34 or something. Exactly. Uh, and I want to give some recognition also to Simone Verdi of Bologna. Um, I think that uh, some of the things that he's done, obviously, very key. I mean, and it's not just because last week he scored a free kick with his left foot and then with his right foot. But, <laughs> I mean, he's a big piece of why Bologna are 12th right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, if you're trying to start to dive into these some of these mid-tier teams and trying to find some gems, certainly, you know, I don't think he's to the level of what Luis Alberto has meant to Lazio or to what, well, Luis Alberto's performances for Lazio or, or, or uh, Lorenzo Insigne's performances for Napoli, but he's there. But And then I think another guy that I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about Napoli being a little more balanced, uh, you know, in terms of the contributions this season, but Jose Callejon's been excellent. Um, and uh, I think he's another one that, uh, uh, that, 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 that certainly deserves a mention. And you, you, can't, you also can't ignore Paulo Dybala. And Jorginho as well. 
Yeah, I mean, Jorginho, and then Paulo Dybala is going to find his way onto this team at some point as well. I mean, great start for him, but uh, Juventus, you put the number 10 on him, so we're going to expect more. And and if we don't think we're getting what we expected, he's not going to make it. So you you set the standard. You set the standard. We didn't. So... um, so are we good on we're, we're good on this uh, squad? But if you know that, then uh, yes. I, I'm pretty happy. This team could beat anybody uh, if we put it together, especially with the managers we have called out to manage it. So um, once again, our squad, that if you know that for the first third of the season is Alison of Roma in goal, the back four of Danilo de Ambrosio of Inter, Milan Skriniar of Inter, Claudio Koulibaly of Napoli, and Alexander Kolarov of Roma. A midfield of Lucas Torreira of Sampdoria, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic of Lazio, and Miran Pjanic of Juventus. A front three of Luis Alberto of Lazio, Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli, and Ciro Immobile of Lazio. Did we get it right? Who did we snub? Uh, go to at Serie sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. And that will put a bow on this edition of the Serie sit down. Let's do a uh, social media uh, and uh, shameless plug time. And uh, Mark, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to shamelessly plug the at Gentleman Ultra. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Redesigned site, new content coming within the next couple of weeks. And if you want to argue with me personally, then it's at Neil underscore Mark. And, 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 and Mark loves his arguments. So, <laughs> so, uh, so fire away. <laughs> so um, Mark and I are not, we, when, when you see us going back and forth on Twitter, those aren't arguments. That's just an exchanging of ideas. We're pretty tame <laughs> compared to some of the other guys that Mark goes back and forth with. So, <laughs> but uh, Richard, shameless plug time for you. Um, I, mean, I got really not, nothing to plug right now. I just want to give a shout out to, you know, all the great Syria uh, podcasts that are out there. Uh, the, the ones they all know who they are you know like the, the inter is uh napoli uh there's so many to there's so many to list there's cool for america is another one uh people should, people should just people are really taking a syria and and they're really embracing it so it's great to see syria coming on the english side so more fans are getting there it's, it's great to see so excellent and you are going to join the simply ssc napoli pod for a preview of napoli milan i am yeah they've been kind enough to ask me and i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna accept that because i love their pod so excellent excellent i wish i could have joined for that unfortunately uh real life and uh, getting things done around the house gets in the way of uh yeah, yeah. And, and and if i'm going to be a if i want the time i i love those guys dearly but i would rather just if i'm going to have that time i want the time to watch the game yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and not talk about the game beforehand or anything like that. So, uh, but uh, you know, as for me, you can go to at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, my blog, Calcio Consultant on World Football Index. I haven't done one in a while, so maybe I should do one. Um, you know, I think I will hold off until this uh, uh, un- un- until this uh, uh, second leg is over with, and we see what Italy's fortunes are uh, if they're in the World Cup or not, and then I will uh, I will uh, I will blog accordingly. So. Um, so uh, that's uh, where you can find all of us. Uh, you can also go to at City. I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram with any thoughts. Uh, Mark, always awesome to have you on, and uh, you know we're going to have you on again, right? I hope so. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to be here. Uh, all <laughs> thanks right. again. No problem. Thanks so much for being a part of uh, City. I'll sit down, and uh, thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to us. As always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.